Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Uh, what's up, wrestling fans? We are back. Again, a little midweek special for you, listening yeah. pleasure. It's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 75. That's three quarters of a century, my folks. Is it? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Well, you know, I didn't go to Duke or anything, but I can still figure that out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did not go to Duke. You would never get into Duke. I'm, I'm not even sure they'll let you on the hey, campus. Hey, I'm wearing my Jacob Casper t-shirt right now. You, as you should be. Team Casper, baby. Hey, my name's Brandon Olinger. Just call me Brando. As always, join with me, Ben, the Law Watson. What up, what up, what up? What is up, Ben? You know, not much is doing a midweek podcast, and people might be wondering why this is dropping in their little uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, podcast catcher, and they're wondering, hey, they, they just did one on Sunday. But you know what? We're trying to bring some extra content to you to, to please your guys' wrestling ear holes with, you know, more, more content. I don't know where I'm going. You don't even know what to say. I don't know where I'm going. I'm really excited right now. And that's all we got to say about that. That's right. (laughs) Totally Uh, ruined what could be really cool. Oh, man. You spoiled it. You spoiled it. Now, anyway, guys, look, as I said, it's the Inside Chip Wrestling Podcast. Episode 75. This is a big deal to us. I know it seems like every week we... Yeah, you screwed up too. I know it seems like every week it's like a, a monumental episode for us, but honestly, each week... That I don't kill Ben is a pretty big moment. <laughs> um, look, hit us up on Twitter. It's the Inside Trip One. Send us an email, theinsidetrip1 at gmail.com. We got a Facebook page out there. It's the Inside Trip. Oh, and guess who just started uh, twiddling the old Instagram this week? Did you yeah, get it? Yeah, we got a little Instagram action out there this week. Are you using the one that I signed up for? Yeah. You have the password for it? Because I yes. lost it, I think. The same password we use for everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's wrestling. Lowercase. <laughs> wrestling. Just kidding. Uh, anyway, we got this Instagram thing I'm trying to figure out. The inside trip. <laughs> I need to follow that. Um, and I think for the podcast itself, you guys know where to find it. Ben just kind of uh, alluded to it. Apple Podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker. All those good things. The Podbean. Go out there. Find the podcast, subscribe, download, listen, and don't be afraid to drop us maybe a little rate and a review or some feedback via any one of those social media platforms that we just mentioned. Ben, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's uh, Tuesday night, and uh, we just got to talk wrestling with um, an amazing person um, via an interview. We did. We did. We absolutely did. Um for those that have listened to this podcast for a long time, um, you know that we like to bring guests on from time to time. Uh, we really do have an affinity for um, some of these athletes from maybe not the major programs that, that hog all the publicity from the, from, from the big wrestling media outlets. Um, in fact, there is a program down in North Carolina called Duke University that is uh, 
a little near and dear to our heart. We had the pleasure of having um, former Duke University standout wrestler, All-American, and now coach Jacob Casper on this podcast uh, last year. Um, and this year we wanted to continue that tradition. And who better to have than none other than a guy that they've had competing for the last three years. He's been in the national tournament three times. He's made it to the blood round. He's made it to the round of 16. He's been so close to getting on that podium. And let me just tell you, right now, if you haven't been watching wrestling, this guy, Mitch Feinsilver, who's been competing at 149 pounds, is right in the thick of everything and is definitely in contention not only for a podium spot, Ben, but I would even say a spot on top of that podium this year as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he with you know, 149 um, is, is open. It, it's open. There's not. There's not really. It's hard to really decipher tears in that spot. And if you did decipher tears, I wouldn't pitch, put Mitch Feinsilver, you know, outside the first tier. I think that there's a, you know, a good five or six people that have a shot to win that, win that, or win the the title that weight. And Mitch Feinsilver is one of them. And not only that, not only is he a person that's a title contender this year, but he's also a person that's going to an academically rigorous school studying in kind of a, and he'll explain it later, it's not pre-med, but, you know, in a pre-med type um, major. So not only is he a, um, you know, an athlete, but he's also really a student in a program that doesn't give out scholarships, which you'll hear us talk about more. I couldn't be more impressed with him. So you're telling me he's a student athlete? That's right. Uh, I think Ben's dog's trying to get on the podcast episode as well, barking in the background. <laughs> um, all joking aside, guys, um, we were really excited to be able to have the opportunity to talk to Mitch um, in the midst of a senior season wrestling for a program like Duke, who's, I mean, let's face it, Duke has come so far the last five, six, seven, eight years. They've had multiple guys who have been multiple All-Americans, Connor Hartman, Jacob Casper. You know, this is a team, you know, that's got... The fact that, that Mitch is in the starting lineup with not one, not two, but three of his other brothers, two sets of twins, is fascinating to me. Um, so I don't know, Ben. I, I don't know. I, I'm pumped to bring this to the people that listen to this podcast. I thought it was a great interview. Mitch is going to give you guys some insight on the Duke program, on his career, and it couldn't have come at a better time because February 1st is a Friday Duke is hosting Virginia Tech at Cameron Indoor Stadium in a duel, a battle of ACC rivals, and Ben and I are making a road trip down there to road trip to cover that event, to be there, to watch it live, hopefully get some time to talk to Coach Lanham and some of the other Duke coaches. I- I'm super excited. I mean, I- I'm, a, I'm dude, dude, I'm just geeked. Yeah, I think the, the the really cool thing about this is we're going to be able to go down to Durham, North Carolina. You know, never been there. Me um, neither. Been to Raleigh, never been to Durham, and to kind of see the ins and outs. But I don't know how much of the ins and outs we're going to get to see, but you know, kind of see the workings of a uh, Division One wrestling program and how because every program does it a little bit differently. And I'm excited to see how Duke's doing it because this is a program that I totally respect. And again, we're going to get into this on the podcast, but zero scholarships, you know, really academically rigorous, hard to get into. And we're going to see these true student athletes compete. And I'm excited to to kind of 
you know, go behind the curtain just as much as we can to see, you know, what's going on there in Durham, North Carolina with Duke Wrestling. I'm pumped. I think it's going to be a great trip. Um, just want to say thanks to Jacob Casper for one hooking us up with Mitch Fine Silver to get this interview done, um, and also inviting us down to come to a duel. Um, when he when he said that, I thought that's a flipping amazing idea. Why have we not thought about that before? Right. And it just so happens it works out perfectly with the schedule. Um, and they've got this great match coming up February first against Virginia Tech. You know what? We. We should really get creative with this road trip. I got some ideas. We'll talk about them later. But now... You want to talk about them, huh? We'll talk about them later. But All for right. now, let's just bring the people Mitch Fine Silver. You good with that? Let's do it, man. He's better than I am at talking. Oh, he's way better than me, too. All right, guys. Hope you enjoy it. Here you go. Mitch Fine Silver, Duke Wrestling, 149 pounds. All right. Joining us for episode number 75 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast is Duke Wrestling, 149 pound. Three-time national qualifier, Mitch Feinsilver. Mitch, thanks for joining us today. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Uh, looking forward to talk to you guys and uh, get things rolling. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. We've been real excited to have you on. Um, we got to have uh, one of your teammates on last year, Jacob Casper. We've been a big fan of his. He's kind of he's kind of hard not to like, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're just going to go ahead and dive right into this, man. Um, you're from Colorado, right? Yep, from Colorado, uh, born and raised. Um, love my hometown, absolutely. Uh, do you uh, do you ski or snowboard at all? Um, I've actually never skied or snowboarded. It's just kind of a result of having a, a big family. Um, it was just hard to get up in the mountains, and it's pretty expensive. So me and my my brothers actually have never skied or snowboarded. Man, yeah, I, I go out to Colorado <laughs> about once every year to uh, to ski or snowboard. So I, I had to ask that question first. Yeah, we are we're pretty much the Colorado anomaly. We tell people that we're from Colorado, and tell them we haven't skied, and they're they're pretty honestly surprised by that answer because pretty much everyone there does. <laughs> All right, man. So two time state champion, come out of Colorado, born and raised there. Obviously, wrestling for Duke now. I got to ask you, man, how cool was it to wrestle at the all-star match that took place in Colorado this year in front of your, I guess we'll call it your home crowd? Uh, for me, it was, it was super special. Like I said, I, it was real cool for a lot of people who who coached, who watched, who, who have supported me along my journey to be able to actually see me wrestle in person. We don't, uh, just being on the East Coast, we don't really get out to really the Colorado or, or the West Coast area all that much so it, it, it was pretty amazing for me you know I had a lot of fans a lot of people cheering um, which was cool so coming out of high school you know as a two-time Colorado State champ I know that you placed at uh, the NHC um, NHCSA Nationals three years in a row but how heavily recruited were you um, I wouldn't say we were hugely recruited it helped us a lot because um, me and me and my twin actually we we had pretty decent um, academics, so that helped a lot. But we we um, emailed a lot of coaches, got a lot of rejection from a lot of coaches, and um, there was there's a decent I'd say there's probably five um, or six programs that um, kind of bit on the idea that we were twins, that we had good academics. Um, but in general, 
I'd say mostly it was it was us doing a lot of the work, but we weren't really getting calls out of the blue from that many Division One coaches. Um, but it, it's worked out great ultimately. So obviously, you know, you're saying we, you and your twin. I think uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. in the wrestling community know now that there are four fine silvers. You guys all happen to be in the starting lineup together at Duke University. Um, two sets of twins, obviously. Um, your twin is. Zach, right? Yep. Yes, and sir. The, and then the other two, which are a couple of years younger than you guys, is Josh and Matt, correct? And they're twins? Correct. Yeah, they're uh yeah, they're twins. So when you and um when you and Matt were kind of graduating high school, I'm sorry, you and Zach, when you guys were graduating high school and going through this recruiting process, did you guys have it set in your heads that you wanted to go to the same school and wrestle together? That was the first thing we uh, kind of established. We, we asked ourselves, uh, do we want to stick together? And um, ultimately, the question we answered was, how much of our success has come from us being together? And the answer was a lot of it, if not almost all of it, just because we, we are so competitive with each other, um, and it's just pushed us to be better. So that that was a big driving factor. We wanted to definitely stick together and and it's it's been great since we, we still have that competitive fire with each other, which I guess probably will never die. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you guys. I can imagine there's four brothers that are now wrestling at the Division One level that there was a lot of scraps in the living room going on. So why Duke? Why? I mean, Duke is an extremely impressive academic school, and I think that they're an underrated wrestling program. But but why did you end up – you said you had four or five schools that you were looking at. I'm assuming they were probably most of them academically um, um, <clears throat> rigorous. But, but why did you end up down in, um, at, at Duke? Um, the biggest selling point for uh, me and Zach at, for Duke was honestly the coaches and, and the team. Um, you're, you're spot on with – we, we got recruited by, um, you know, like Stanford, Penn, Lehigh. So those, those really high academic institutions. And, and the biggest thing for us was where were we going to fit with the team and with the coaches. And um, when we took our visit to Duke, we, we kind of just fell in love with the direction in which Duke was going. And um, the coaches, you know, they felt that, like they were genuine, genuine guys who, who truly, truly cared about not only our success on the mat, but, further on in life um and then also it was it was really enticing for us to to chase after that for being duke's first national champion um i mean duke's never had one and it's kind of cool to be a part of something that's changing and starting to build a legacy around that and it it was great to have guys like connor hartman and jacob casper to be also be a part of that changing of of cultures so that was another thing that attracted us to Duke. Yeah, I mean, from from a fan's perspective, a spectator's perspective, and just kind of an outsider looking in, um, you can tell that there's been a lot that's changed about Duke University's wrestling program over the last you know five, six, seven years. And I think more attention is being drawn to it, and a lot of it has to do with the guys that you mentioned as well as the coaching staff that you talked about. And we're going to get into more of that in here in just a second. But I just want to ask you, I, I think I know your answer here, but – Hindsight being twenty twenty, obviously, um, always you know hindsight's perfect, vi- perfect vision. How happy are you with your decision to attend and wrestle at Duke? Uh, I'm ex- extremely, extremely happy. Um, I wouldn't change it for anything. 
I had to go back and do it again, I'd probably do the exact exact same. Um, you know, I've I've had an amazing time here, and I've been pushed um, academically and athletically, which is that doesn't always happen. I feel like in certain places, so I've fallen more in love with the sport of wrestling and been able to be challenged by it too. Okay, so I, I, you know, I can't let you get away without, without, you know, that's a great statement that you made. You've fallen more in love with the sport of wrestling, but talk to me a little bit more about that. What, what does that mean? Okay, so you, you know, you're very successful out of high school in your state. You go to Duke. You're having significant success, um, especially at, at one of these academic schools for wrestling. But what does that mean to fall more in love with the sport? Um. Well, I guess to kind of preface that answer. Um, I, when we were in youth wrestling, me and my brothers, I hated, hated wrestling. I, um, I just didn't like getting nervous. I, I didn't like the pressure that I felt from it. And then, you know, I got to high school, you know, and I credit also me falling in love with the sport initially was from my high school coaches. You know, I had some amazing coaches who just similar to my college coaches, they, they honestly cared about who I was as a person and the person I was becoming. And we just had so much fun, you know, just, and it was more than just learning wrestling. Wrestling came along with it. We worked hard, but we, we just connected with each other um, in high school. And then that expanded even more once I got to college, being surrounded by such a great group of guys who, who have a collective goal in mind, uh, a collective goal in mind. Um, it's something that doesn't happen a whole lot. And it, it, it was pretty amazing to be a part of and, you know, I, I say I fall more in love be, because it, the challenge of college wrestling also is is something that is fun. It, I, I guess it's it's hard to say fun because it is it is difficult, but it, it is really cool to me to be able to have something so challenging and just be able to take it on um, day in and day out. You know, as as a goal, and that's that's probably why I say I, I, I've fallen more in love with the sport. You know, you, you have to become a student of the sport if you want to be successful. At, at this high of a level and um you just kind of have to immerse yourself in it and it's been it's been amazing talk to me about the impact that coach lanham has had on the duke wrestling program um coach lamb has has honestly changed everything and the biggest thing i think he he's done is he's just held us to a high standard you know it it's um something that i think has made us better as a team and he he like i have said earlier he truly does care about the 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 success and the the um the lives of students outside of the sport and i think that's important to form long-lasting relationships between athletes and coaches and it makes me as an athlete want to compete harder for him and i'm vice versa i'd imagine it probably makes him want to coach harder um, for me, because that that strong relationship has formed, and and he has that with every every athlete. You know, if if you've ever seen the end of our our practices or our um, lifts or workouts, you know he has an individualized handshake with every every athlete on the team, and it's it's kind of like a nice. rite of passage. Once once you kind of establish your handshake with Coach Lanham, um, and you do it after pretty much every practice, it's 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 been. It's, it's kind of a special thing, at least for me. I don't know how the other guys on the team feel. I'm sure they probably feel the same way, but that's something that I can't say a whole lot of other Division One coaches do with their athletes. 
No, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, it's it's hard to debate, um, in my opinion, and I'm sure Brandon agrees too. Um, this, you know, um, kind of what type of success Coach Lanham has brought on and off the mat to Duke wrestling, and I think that it's just something that can't be really described. And I've got to imagine that's a big draw, and that will be continue to become a big draw to Duke. Yeah, I'm hopefully it will. Um, just how much these coaches invest in us as athletes is, is unreal. Um, they'll, they'll, if we want to work out at any time of the day, midnight, even, I, you know, they would probably be there ready, ready to go, ready to scrap. You know, it's, it's they've never turned anyone down from a workout, which is pr- pretty amazing in my opinion. So, Mitch, let me ask you this. How many wrestling scholarships does Duke Wrestling get? Um, zero, actually. We are a non-scholarship program, which is it, – it's been hard, but, you know, we make the most of it. There's nothing we can really do as it, uh, do about it as athletes. And um, coming into the program, me and my brother and, you know, Jacob and Connor Harmon, we knew that, and we – we wanted to take it upon ourselves to put Duke wrestling so much on the map that we could be the change that brought on scholarships. Um, we'll see what the future holds, but that's, that's the direction we're moving. We, we want to be so spectacular that our, our administration doesn't have an, an option to not give us scholarships. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does completely. Does, I mean, does it ever, I don't know how to phrase this, but, does it ever frustrate you or anger you knowing that you guys get zero athletic scholarships and you guys, I mean, let's face it, you guys are true student athletes. You are there, you're competing, you're there getting college degrees when you've got a high profile basketball team with that probably is completely fully funded with lots of athletic scholarships. And yet they waste a lot of them on one and done type athletes. Yeah, it is frustrating. Um, you know, I, I'm probably the hardest worker at this school. I'm sure my brothers would probably say the same things about themselves and plenty of other guys on our team, but to see other athletes and they're not working as hard or they're, they're, you know, going out partying and drinking and um, not living as disciplined of lifestyles as a lot of the guys on our team, it, it, it is frustrating. Um, but it's, like I said earlier, it's the, the, the situation we're in. We can really only make the most of it. Um, we don't have scholarships and it sucks, but we, we got to keep fighting to get better as a team so that we can, like I said, be so spectacular. They can't ignore us. Um, and last year, I don't know if you remember, we, we wore, um, with the qualifiers for Duke war, get Duke wrestling scholarship shirts. And oh, yeah, yeah, that's how I was about to ask. Like that. <laughs> that that's, that's something, like I said, we're, we're still pushing for that. You know, I think a lot of people sometimes forget how much we've done without even a mere fraction of the funding of, of some of the other schools without having scholarships. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing what we are able to do. And, you know, we, it would be nice to get the attention and the funding that a lot of these other programs, not just um, in the wrestling community, but at Duke comparatively get, but we're, we're just going to keep doing what we do and hopefully people take notice, get the public behind us. 
Yeah, and, and, and I think that's great that, that you brought this onto the podcast because if I recall correctly, and we don't need to belabor the point, wasn't there actually an issue with funding related to going to the NCAA tournament? Like there wasn't a, a number of tickets or something that were allotted? Yeah, so um, my parents always – and the qualifiers of um, a lot of – the parents of a lot of the qualifiers um, have a hard, hard time every year getting tickets because – our administration wouldn't necessarily buy tickets um, for the program. So a lot of the parents of the qualifiers would have to go through other teams to get tickets, which is, that is in ridiculous. my opinion, a little outrageous. That is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, but I, 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 it might have changed this year. I'm not sure exactly um, where we're at on that. But it, it was like that for my whole career, for, uh, three other times qualifying, you know, my parents would have to last minute scramble, talk to, you know, some other team to try to get tickets, which is crazy to me. You know, why Duke wouldn't buy a certain amount or a lot funding even for a certain amount of tickets that we could buy. It is ridiculous. Cause I mean, let's face it, you guys are doing nothing but bringing um, great publicity and attention to a, a fledgling Duke program right now. That's definitely on the rise. All right, let's transition a bit. Mitch. I, I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. You know, we're we're student athletes and we're going out there to represent Duke to the to the best of our abilities. And you know, you'd like to think we could get a little bit in return. Well, I can tell you right now, Ben and I definitely agree with you guys. So and support you one hundred percent. Let's go ahead and transition a little bit. I want to get into your actually, you know, your season and your career. Um, so. I'm going to start off with this. So if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, Jacob Casper, I, we've, everybody knows who he is. We've talked about him. He was the first Duke wrestler to win a Southern Scuffle title. Um, you actually had the mm. chance to become the second person this year, um, but ultimately fell to the Oklahoma State wrestler, Caden Jafeller, in, in the finals. I, I would just like for you to give us and the listeners your thoughts on that match and what you took away from it that you need to work on for the rest of the season. Um, so the biggest things um, on that match is uh, that I took away is I was 100% should have won that match. Um, I was in position to win that match. Um, but, you know, I made a mistake early in the match. I got turned, which ended up costing me. And to put all the other stuff aside, um, aside with the controversy of him, you know, spitting blood on the mat. And, <laughs> oh, we're going to um, get to that. <laughs> <laughs> getting a restart from the blood time. Um, you know, it was on me. I can't leave it in the hands of situations like that. So honestly, the biggest thing I've taken away from that is, you know, I'm capable of beating anyone in the country. I, I believe it, you know, um, I, I just gotta, you know, stay in the moment and eliminate as many of those situations as possible. Um, the technical stuff has, has just been improving, you know, small things like head position and, um, you know, getting a more offense early on. But other than that, you know, it's – I took it as much of a positive as possible. You know, I would have liked to win a Southern's Cup title, obviously, been Duke second. But, um, you know, I can't dwell on what should have, could have, would have. I just got to get up and keep moving forward and proving towards Nationals. So, you know, again, not to start the pop, I'm not going to let you get away from this topic without actually <laughs> discussing it. First off, I want to let you know that me and I, and I, I Brandon, Brandon, you can speak for yourself. Believe that you are 
capable of winning an NCAA title. And we're kind of Ohio State homers because we sit here in Ohio. And, you know, we like Micah Jordan and we root for other people. Yeah. But but I truly believe that you are capable of doing that. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast. You can win an NCAA title this year. And I, and I know you believe it, so who cares about two dudes, you know, sitting on a couch doing an interview with you who care about it. Yeah. But but you can. You really can. Okay. Did, Thank you. So I tweeted um, – Afterwards, I said, you know, because you had that right boot in, you had him flattened out. I mean, you were about to ride this dude out. And um, mm-hmm. he all of a sudden they call blood time and with eight seconds left and he gets the ability to scramble out. And he finally after, he finally rolls out after like you bring him to the mat six or seven times. What was going on with that blood time? I heard based off that tweet from not only some other people, but even I think maybe your coach said it, that that he was actually biting his own lip and spitting on the mat. Come on. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if he was biting his tongue or what, but he 100% was um, spitting blood on the mat, you know, to get a restart. Um, and I could see him spitting. The, the thing that really confirmed that for me was he would spit the blood on the mat, they'd go to clean up blood, or he'd go to his corner, and they wouldn't clean up any blood or stop any blood. Um so it's like, was he still bleeding from earlier or it was he just trying to get a restart? And, you know, I guess he had to do what he had to do to, to get a restart, help himself win, but that's kind of what happened. Well, so I can't do anything about it, I guess. Yeah, obviously we can't do anything about it now. You still had an outstanding tournament. You had a great win over the Penn State uh, freshman, Bergy, who everybody seems to be very high on. That was a great win for you. Um, I want to talk about a match you got coming up. You guys are okay. scheduled to wrestle North Carolina State January 25th. You've got a potential top 10 matchup with Justin Oliver. For those that don't know, you guys met in the blood round in the 2016 NCAA championships in a match that he narrowly won. How excited are you to get another crack at him this year, possibly the first of a couple of cracks, considering you guys are probably going to end up meeting in the ACC tournament as well? Uh, I'm I'm super pumped for it. I didn't think I was going to be able to wrestle him again because um, when I, I was up at 57, I thought my time to get some revenge had, had passed. But, you know, I've been looking forward to that one for a long, long time. Um, at the end of the day, you know, he took something from me um, that I, I, I really believe that, that I could have been an All-American the year he, he knocked me off. And um, that hurt. That definitely hurt a lot. Um, so I'm excited to get after it. You know, it's going to be at NC State, so it'll be against uh, – it'll be in enemy territory, which is honestly pretty cool feeling too. You know, I kind of relate it back to when I was wrestling um, Bergie, uh at Southern Scuffle. All those Penn State fans were booing me, which is <laughs> fine. So, I mean, I'm, it's fun to compete in enemy territory sometimes. It'll bring energy. So I'm excited. It'll be fun. Okay, so to take you back to that match a little bit, and, I, and we don't have to delve too far into it, but, you know, I always have these questions about what goes through a wrestler's mind as they're about to wrestle a match f- for the blood round. Because being an AA, being an All-American is the pinnacle of the sport besides being a national champ. Do you remember kind of what was going through your mind? Because you had a heck of an NCAA tournament that year. Do you remember what was going through your mind yeah. right before you wrestled him? Um... So kind of, I guess, looking back and reflecting on the, the whole situation, I uh, 
I think the biggest thing that I fell prey to was the, the bright lights. And, um, you know, I, I always say that I didn't feel like I woke up until probably after he had gotten the third takedown in the first, because he, he rattled off three takedowns in the first. I think I got three escapes or maybe it might've been two. I, I don't really remember, but um, I like, like finally I feel like after that I woke up and I was like, Oh crap, I'm down. Like I need to start figuring something out. So I remember the second period I, uh, I wrote him out. I actually had a cradle locked up. It's one of the moments I'll never forget. I had a cradle locked up right on the edge and I, I just couldn't turn. So I ended up writing him out. And then third period, you know, it was just playing more catch up. And he, he obviously was up. So he was staying away doing what any, any good wrestler would do in that situation about to round 12 or about to all American. And, um, you know, I just came up a little too short, a little too late. Um, and there's one instance where I was like, uh, I thought I had a shot, and, you know, I had circled behind. I grabbed his far lat, but I was probably a half a second, you know, behind on on the whole situation. So that's, that's what happened. Uh, so that was your sophomore year, right? Mm-hmm. Was that your sophomore year? Yeah. I mean, we we. I guess for a lack of better terms, you know, you you were young. It was your second trip to the national national tournament. Obviously, your first time. I think you, your freshman year was the only year that you've never won a match at the national tournament, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. here here you come back your sophomore year. You're on a roll. You make the blood round. You know, I know Ben. We love hearing people's thoughts, what's going through their mind when they wrestle that round. Obviously, you talked about you know the bright lights. It's a big moment. But how in tune were you with that moment? Were you? I, I don't want. I don't want this to sound bad, but sometimes, you know, Ben uses this, you know, this phrase on me when we're playing golf because I'm not a great golfer, but he says sometimes I'm too stupid to make a difficult putt. You know, were you, did you just not realize, did you realize how big that moment was or were you, you know, were you just kind of, uh, you know, engulfed with everything that was going on? I think it's almost like I was, I was almost numbed in the moment to the point where I wasn't focused enough on how big the moment was. Um, if that makes sense, no, I, I just, I, I guess I kind of had blocked everything out so, so much that I blocked out too much almost, if that may, if that, I guess, um, makes sense. So I, I, you know, the thing is with the sport of wrestling, you're going to be in big moments and you got to learn to, to perform in big moments. And I, I wasn't mature enough at the time to figure out how to, how to win that match mentally yeah. from a mental standpoint. That's a great point. You know, I think, you know, for people that don't really follow you or follow Duke Wrestling or maybe casual fans, I don't think they really appreciate the career that you've had. You know, you, you've you had a great career. You've had great seasons. You're, you know, you've been a three-time national qualifier, obviously made the blood round your sophomore year. You were in the round of 16 uh, last year. I mean, basically, you're a couple of scrambles away from ultimately being an All-American. You're 19-3 and three on this season at 149 pounds you're ranked in pretty much the top 10 by all ranking publications do you feel any added pressure that it's your senior season and you're trying to capture that elusive podium finish while also having your sights set on a national championship um i don't want to say it's really added pressure um it it is scary for me in essence just because you know this is it my college wrestling career was going to be over in two and a half months from now. And, um, you know, life's gonna, life's gonna go on. And for me, I think I've 
matured enough to be able to say, you know what, that's, that's, that's a reality. Um, it's something that can't, I can't change, but I can work on being the best version of myself every single day. I can work on trying to improve every single day. And, and the other stuff, it's, it's going to take care of itself. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah. And, you know, I get heart palpitations thinking about being a position, being in a position that you're in to have an opportunity to wrestle in the blood round. Um, so when you say scary, I get it. I mean, is, is it scary because, you know, you're like, hey, this is this is the last this is the last chance. This is what I, I've got to do it. I've got to get on that podium. I mean, it's the difference between being a four time NCAA qualifier and, and being an All-American and being remembered. Uh, it, it, it's scary almost because, you know, I've, I've committed my life to this, this thing, this goal, this dream. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I don't drink, I don't party, I don't do drugs. I live a clean lifestyle. I try to, I try to do everything right that I possibly can, you know, eating, sleeping, um, trying to do my schoolwork in a timely manner, you know, so I can commit as much time as I possibly can to, to the sport. And it's, it's scary to me to to do all that and you know come up short of a goal. Um, you know, I think any good competitor can 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 tell you that. So, so sp- speaking of your career, you know, again, I, I don't think people truly appreciate the type of career that you've had. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna name some names off here: Jason Searches, Searches, Austin O'Connor, Kennedy Monday, Anthony Colica. Pat Lugo, Larry Early, C.J. Cobb, Troy Heilman, Sal Mastriani, Paul Fox, and so many, many, many more. These are all guys that you've got wins over or even multiple, multiple victories over. And these are all guys who have been considered great wrestlers in the sport and even All-Americans and national champions. With that said, there really wasn't much talk about you being a contender at 149 pounds this year, a weight class that, I mean, let's face it, many people feel this weight class is wide open. Do you feel that you are overlooked when it comes to the landscape at this weight, or that you have been overlooked? Um, I've, yeah, I've always felt overlooked, um, and I think it's a result of of kind of just that combination of being at a school, you know, that hasn't gotten the recognition I think we necessarily deserve, and and just you know I've kind of just been I don't want to say necessarily in the shadow of of the dudes who have been you know leading this program. I think Jacob Castor took a lot of the attention. Um, last year and I was kind of in the background doing my thing, which has been great for me too. You know, Connor Hartman, you know, I was on teams with him and he took the brunt of a lot of the attention. So for me, it's just kind of been steady going. I think a lot of people for, have forgotten about me and some of those wins that, that you've named off. And, you know, that's all right for me. You know, I'm just going to keep going and keep trying to get better every day. And one day I think people, I think people are actually starting to realize that I am a real threat. Um, moving forward which is kind of nice this year that's got to make you feel good yeah it's been nice so you mentioned uh connor hartman he was one of our favorites um i'm about to say back in the day but it hasn't been that long i do remember and i can't remember who who was against but he had this crazy scramble at the ncaa tournament and i swear i was sitting there watching and i i i it was it was it was a very exciting time as a fan so I no, I can't remember who it was. Do you do you remember who it was? Who we had that crazy scramble with? It's he a, had a crazy one with Morgan McIntosh. McIntosh. That's what it was. Was it that one? Yeah, I think it was. Or what <laughs> other one were you thinking? 
he had another crazy one from um, against I think it was Wolf from Ryder. Yeah, no, I think it was. Year. I think it was Macintosh, man. I think that was to get into the semis, right? Yeah, that was that was probably the one you're thinking of. Oh man, that one was that one was awesome. <laughs> um, you know, so you, you brought up Jacob Casper, and um, he is a predominant figure now in you know wrestling because of um, how vocal he was about his personality. You know, he had a big personality, right? And that Absolutely. that's that's perfect for some people, and that's not perfect for others that are a little more introverted. And both are great. What's it like having? What was it like having his, him as a teammate over the last few years, and then to actually have him coach you this year? Um, as a teammate, I mean, we're 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 bros. I mean, we, we hang out still even today. We hung out a ton throughout the years, had classes together. You know, he's he's kind of my running running dog, and you know, I think it goes back to like I was saying earlier, just guys with like minded like-minded goals and, and visions for the program and, and ourselves. Um, you know, we have a lot of commonalities in that sense, and we just kind of gravitated towards each other, um, which has been nice. I mean, I'd take a bullet for the guy, honestly. And um, his transition to the co- as a coach has been pretty seamless. He's, he's just as much as he invested into his wrestling career, he's investing in, into us as athletes. Um, it's been a cool transition because he's – He's learning a lot, but I also think he's doing an amazing job of implementing all the things he's learning from from other coaches. Um, he talks to as many people as he possibly can when he has when he has um, you know difficult uh, like decisions to make, and and just trying to be the best coach he can be. And um, you know we still hang out from time time to time. Well, I want to say time to time. We still hang out quite a bit, <laughs> um, but. It's 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 been nice to have him as a coach. He, he really has put in uh, an immense amount of work to be the best coach he possibly can be. I don't think there's really any denying or debate about the importance um, that the importance to the program that J- Jacob Casper's been the last few years. What's it like? Have you gotten to witness any firsthand like experiences of him like actually actually helping out with recruiting kids? Um, I've seen him take kids around campus and, you know, he's, he's a big name. Um, obviously I think he's been a big recruiting tool in that sense because, you know, he, he does have a huge personality and people like that. They like the lifestyle that he's lived. You know, he lives that clean lifestyle and he he does the right things and, and people gravitate towards that. Like I said earlier. All right, let's transition a bit. I got to know. Who's the toughest guy that you've ever wrestled in college outside of the Duke room? Uh, we, sometimes we get answers where a guy says, oh, my teammate. I want to know toughest guy you've ever wrestled in a legit college wrestling match. Honestly, probably the toughest person I ever wrestled was, I'd have to say, probably George DiCamillo. He whooped me my freshman year. I mean, he it was, it was my third match out of red shirt. And I'll tell you what. I walked off that mat after he texted me and I was, I was shaking, you know, <laughs> he, he, I, did, I didn't know what to do, but, um, yeah, I'd definitely say he was probably one of the toughest people I wrestled. Yeah. We, we like, we like Georgie. Uh, he was out on our podcast once and, you know, just, <laughs> just ask Jacob, those Ohio guy, Ohio boys can be pretty tough. Yeah, no, I bet. So let me ask you this then. Give me, uh, you know, throughout your college career, give me one match 
you know, I mean, obviously there's the Justin Oliver blood round match, but let's 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 not use that one. Give me another match that if you okay. had one match to get back and wrestle over again, which one would it be? Is there one that sticks out in your mind? Uh, I'd probably say the round of 16 match last year. I uh, I mean, I was poised to be an All-American that year. Um, and I lost to um, Shields. Arizona State, what's his name? Yeah, Josh Shields, Shields right. yeah. And, uh, it was 3-2, to two, I think. I'd probably try to push that name uh, <laughs> Try to push his name probably out of my mind. But uh, I lost in the last. I got taken down with, um, I think it was like 20 seconds left. I was up by a point. And um, that one was devastating. I've probably never been that shattered after a match before. Because, you know, he ended up being All-American. And for me, it was like, you know, looking and seeing what he ended up doing. Like, I, I always felt like that should have been me. Um, but you know, got to grow from it, I guess. Well, you know, that's what you say. You got to grow from it. How do you put that behind you? You know, I mean, you, you've lost in the blood round once. You lost in the round of 16 to a guy that ended up making the podium. D- does that fuel you? Or do you, you know, some people that fuels and some people it's better for them to just put it behind them, compartmentalize that and work on the next, um, you know, what's in front of them next. For me, the biggest thing was, you know, to get past it, I really just had to, learn from the whole situation you know what went wrong um and you know i was devastated after 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 both those ones in different ways for for me at least my mental mentally after my losing in the round of 12 i just wanted to get up and literally run outside out of madison square garden until i couldn't run anymore i just wanted to just get away and then after after this this um this last year losing in the round of 16 you know, I, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. You know, my my whole life was kind of in shambles for 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 probably a week afterwards. And then I I was like, you know what? There's absolutely nothing I can do except for for you know learn from the whole situation and never let it happen again. So that's how I've moved moved past it. I guess that's really the only thing you can do. At, uh, you know, at, at, at those yeah. point in times. Um. So hey, let me ask you this. You know, I, I you're you're at Duke. You're with all three of your brothers. You know, all four of you are in the starting lineup. Um, your parents still live in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they, what does that mean to them that you all four are together? You know, at the same university across, the, you know, on the other side of the country, um, all four together, obviously helping each other, supporting each other there to, you know, get each other through the the, the, the rough wrestling and academic times and everything. Um, but you know, does that? I, I would have to think, being a parent myself, that gives your parents some sort of comfort knowing that they, that you guys have each other. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we're we're a really really close family. Um, even you know, growing up, and I think it. It gives them comfort that we are all together and that we are still really close. I mean, we still spend an immense amount of time together, um, and it just keeps going along with that that whole family thing. You know, like I said, we're a close family, and that's kind of the most important thing I think in in in, in my life and in in my brothers and my parents, my sisters' lives as well. Man, you guys got a big family, don't you? Yeah, big, big, big family. <laughs> seven, seven kids. So. Really? Four boys, three girls, or are there more boys outside the four of you? Uh, four boys and three older sisters. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, your parents almost had a baseball team. Jeez. Uh, yeah. We... <laughs> so, uh, rumor has it you're interested in medicine, right? Uh, what are you majoring in at Duke? 
So um, Duke actually doesn't have like a pre-med major um, necessarily. So I went the evolutionary anthropology route, which basically it, it hits on basically all my med school requirements. So I have to take pretty much a lot of bio, um, chemistry, stuff like that. And I, I mean, I like evolutionary anthropology. It's it's basically just learning about how humans came to be, how they are today. So and it, it's good looking forward to. Um, medical school because I think a lot of that stuff will overlap and give a good perspective moving into that field. Uh, what are you thinking? Where are you thinking about going for medical school? Um, I usually always tell people that I'll go anywhere that takes me. Um, but if I could get into Duke Med, that'd, that'd be pretty awesome because I'd be able to hang around here with my um, little brothers and still wrestle around with the team. And then also, if possible, I'd like to go back to um, Colorado at the University of Colorado um, Medical School. Nice. All right. So um, a little birdie told us that you actually traveled over to Vietnam this summer to teach biology uh, as part of the ACE program at Duke. Is that true? That is true. So Duke has this um, awesome program where um, it, it's combined with Stanford as well. So they'll send five Duke athletes and five Stanford athletes to a basically a third world country and um, everything's paid for. And basically it's just civic engagement. And we're, we're, um, you know, teaching kids about the value of, of sports and, and more specifically at the, in Vietnam, we are teaching these rural, rural um, Vietnamese kids, you know, the value of, you know, getting a higher education because where we were at, you know, Educations aren't really valued because, you know, a lot of the kids that end up growing up, they end up working in rice fields um, their whole lives. So their parents are kind of pushing them towards that, that kind of identity. And, and for us, it was like instilling the, the, the benefits of, you know, getting a great education. So talk to me about what that type of experience does for you when it puts all of this other stuff, such as your, you know, your senior season, you know, your wrestling career, your senior season and perspective, what does that do for your perspective on everything? Um, first perspective, honestly, it was just, just super, super humbling. Like you, you don't realize how fortunate you are for the opportunities you have in your life. You know, I'm, I'm blessed to, to be in the United States, you know, to have a family that supports, you know, or that pushes and encourages you know, a, a emphasis on academics and emphasis on being able to chase my dream. Cause that's, that's not the case all over the world. And it, it wasn't necessarily the case in, in Vietnam um, with the, the students we were with. Um, so it really, for me, it was, it was just seeing that, that kind of perspective and being like, wow, I need to really make the most of the, of the opportunities that I do have because it isn't necessarily the case all around the world. I think that, you know, that just kind of shows that it's the true definition of a student athlete here. You know, the fact that you focus on, on that, that obviously wrestling is extremely important in your life and extremely important in your family's life. But the fact that it, it, it still is a sport and, you know, um, there's a number of people that, that, that uh, participate in wrestling, that wrestle, that, that aren't going to go on to the next level and that you have something – like this, and I won't even say to fall back on something like this to continue, um, you know, continue on to uh, kind of, you know, actually a career. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I would definitely go think about, you know, going into teaching as a career or even I want to give back to the wrestling community too. You know, I think it's, you know, the sport's done so much for me that I, I'd be crazy not to give back to, to a sport that has given me the opportunities to go to a amazing academic institution and, and chase a dream that I've had since I was a little kid. All right. So I got to ask this, Matt, Zach, Josh, you're in the living room of your parents' home. Tag team match. Who are you picking to be on your team? Oh, man. The thing is, this did happen a lot growing up. <laughs> and we always switched the teams up. So, Who's got the better record? Which, time, which duo has the best record? Uh, at the time, honestly, it's probably Zach and I because we were the big, bigger, bigger twins. And we just pummeled the little ones. Um, but probably now... It's hard to say. I'd, I'd probably have to go with Zach just because, you know, he is the OG OG twin, and we had some the OG twin. <laughs> yeah, he's the OG the OG um, battle partner when we would scrap. So I'd probably go with him, honestly. Nowadays. <laughs> uh, all right. So th- this is a, kind of a one final question that we like to ask, um, and we we like to do this with all our guests. So give us one guy on Duke's wrestling team to look out for, either you know, next year or who's making a uh, come up this year that people may not know about or, you know, a guy that you expect to make maybe a big jump? Um, I would say one of my brothers, you know, I, but I think they're actually probably fairly well known. Um, but outside of them, I'd say probably Caden Russell. He's a sophomore this year, and a lot of people don't know about him because, I mean, he had a rough freshman year. But this year, my, I mean, my man has – dedicated so much time and he's made huge huge jumps so if he just keeps continuing to make those jumps moving forward i mean i think he's gonna he'll qualify for the tournament this year he's 100 percent capable and um from there i think he the, the sky's the limit the, the kids you know he's got the work ethic so i think caden russell is definitely the person i'd say the most most look out for next year you know i think if it's not this year i think it's so interesting you say that because i'm almost certain that Casper said the exact same thing when we had him on our podcast. And I'm just going to throw out there, I'm pretty sure that guy wrestled sold in Ohio at Cleveland St. Ignatius. Again, them Ohio boys be tough. <laughs> yeah, they are. You can say that. All right, man. Um, you know, we're, we're wrapping things up now. It's It's been great talking to you. So I, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, ben and I, we're actually going to go ahead. We're making the trip down to North Carolina to watch Duke battle Virginia Tech on February 1st. We're going to do a little road trip. Awesome. We're going to come down there, actually get to see a duel live at Duke. I'm assuming it's going to be in Cameron Indoor Stadium. I think that's where you guys wrestle most of your, your home matches, right? Yep, it'll be in Cameron. All right. Most likely, unless um, basketball team boots us out, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I'll have been, you know, blast double Coach K if that happens, so don't worry. We'll take care of it for you. Um, <laughs> so most important question of the podcast right now is, I need a couple of must-eat spots down there at Duke University where we got to hit up. Because, you know, Ben likes to eat. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Okay. Um, I guess it kind of depends on what kind of food you want. If you want barbecue, I'd say the two biggest spots are probably uh, Q Shack or um, Backyard Barbecue. Both are super good. Backyard Barbecue is probably this hole-in-the-wall um, fairly cheap food, but they, I mean, they serve it up good. And the Q Shack is it's just kind of the place that I guess all the Duke students kind of hit. Most people don't know about backyard, but 
Two Shack is pretty well known on campus. Um, that's for barbecue. There's a ton of good pizza around campus too. Um, they got Enzo's. I want to know. I, no, I know. I want to know. All right. After nationals, Mitch Feinsilver gets back to Duke. Where's the first place he's going to eat ever after having to watch his weight all year going back to 49? Honestly, it's probably going to be pizza, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> pizza or a big, big burger. You can't go wrong with pizza, man. Um, oh, I know. I, I miss, I've missed it, but hey, it's price to pay. <laughs> That's right. All right, seriously, Mitch, man, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us. We, you know, we really appreciate having you on. Um, again, you know, Ben and I were we're rooting for you. We are very much looking forward to coming down to Duke and actually watching you live and in action with the rest of your team uh, there in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Um, again, we wish you the best of luck, man. Do you got any final words you want to throw out there? Um, you know, I just appreciate talking to you guys. You guys, you guys um, do so much. You tell the story of of the athletes and, and that really does go a long way so thank you guys and um go duke absolutely hey uh would you be willing to come back on with us after your uh your your fourth and final trip to the national tournament absolutely i would love to all right that sounds great we'll definitely be sure to set that up so again guys this is mitch fine silver 149 pounder for duke university episode number 75 of the inside trip wrestling podcast <laughs>